listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. If you got your Bible, I do want you to open it up. We're going to be talking about three reasons uh, that you need to be offended. Three reasons. It's not always wrong uh, to be offended if you're offended for the right reasons. Uh, obviously, you don't let offense build up in your heart towards other people, as I was dealing with earlier in the broadcast towards those that are in the room. I did it on purpose. Say who. I wanted to work you through this that today. That was very smart. Thanks. You knew the theme and you were setting it up. Yeah, I was role playing. Wow, RPG. Um, she's a larp. Or improvising. Yeah, either way. Either way, it works. Um, it, it it's not wrong if you are. Um, properly offended. Now, you don't want to build up offense in your heart. You don't want to hold grudges towards other people. Obviously, we understand that stuff. You want to walk in love, uh, walk in peace, joy, gentleness, all the fruit of the Spirit. But there are things in life that should offend you. There are things in life that should upset your spirit, man. You know, one of the things that, uh, and Carolyn and I talk about this often, if you're a Christian, there are things in life that should trigger your spirit that should literally uh bring you a righteous anger or a righteous indignation without question yeah that's right jennifer a holy anger there are things in life that should bring you a holy anger and that's what we're talking about today three things uh that we're going to discuss in this broadcast that should bring a holy righteous anger into your spirit and uh, when you see them of course we're going to give you these examples in the word of God, but all three of these are still applicable uh, today in the New Testament church. And every single one of these is something that should still be upsetting you. Love you, Ed. You guys are awesome. That's right. AJ hashtag triggered. And I don't mean like you're like a, you know, a Karen or if you're a guy, a Darren, but if you... Is that what they call the guy? I, I started saying that. I don't know if that's I the real name. I just say male Karen. Male Karen? Yeah. I call Darren's. <laughs> um, but obviously there are things that should uh, bring you into a place of holy anger, righteous anger, righteous indignation. Uh, because as a Christian, you know that God has an agenda, right? He has a plan. He has something that he desires to take place. And there is truly an antichrist spirit in the world that pushes back against God's agenda. And so today we're going to be talking about this and we're going to go through three uh, different things that you can see in the word and that you're still seeing in life today. You know, I feel like you tell me how you feel. I feel like it's a problem when you've got Christians who are just okay with how things are going in the world. They're just like, okay with it. You know, it's like, well, it doesn't bother me. You know, that's just, if you get to the place where you're like, oh, that doesn't bother me. So you know, it's just how back. life is. Yes. Yeah, too laid back. Yeah. You know, that's, that, that's why Lena on here says, you know, she's Puerto Rican inside because when you truly know the promises that are t- like given to you, your covenant, what's owed to you, when you don't get something, it should build up a like, what the heck mentality. And when you realize, see, we get so, um, we get so wrapped in this like uh, love, the word love, that we tend to relinquish a lot of our rights. Because even though Jesus loved people in the Bible, obviously, uh, God is love, you know, and he's from his father. There's still things that upset Jesus where he took a stand for it. Exactly right. He didn't just say, oh, well, you know, like, or one of the things you're talking about is the temple. I don't remember. Okay. We can go there in a minute. But, you know, that's going to be a great example for you where uh, his love was turned in the right area. 
it was his love for his father that got him righteously angry at what those people were doing. Absolutely. So love was still involved, but love made an action occur, which yep. he's getting ready to read, which then showed people, you know, respect and honor for the things of God, the house of God, what he was, what they were doing was wrong, but love was still shown. So see, we get wrapped in this whole, everything's gotta be equal. Everything has to be kissy huggy. Ooh, we can't come and tell somebody something because they're gonna be offended or we're gonna step on their toes. But love is fixing the situation and saying, hey, God promised this to me, this is mine and I'm gonna take it. Yeah, People exactly. show too much love and coddling to the devil and the things of it and they let him slip in their lives. And then we just, don't, we wonder, oh, well, what happened? What happened? It's God. I'm gonna blame God. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean. It wasn't even just love for God, but love for the people. You know, if you think about, uh, and we're in Matthew 21, by the way. Good morning, Amanda. Hey, Mama. Um, it wasn't just love for God, but a love for the people. You know, it's like uh, when God outlined how much sacrifices should cost, he did it for a reason. You know, the rich can do it. The poor can do it. The, no matter what, what level of life in which you were living, you had the ability to give sacrifices unto God. And you had these people in the temple that were truly greedy money changers. And the reason that he said, you've made my house uh, a den of robbers or a, a den of thieves is because they were overcharging people for their sacrifices. And obviously taking God's laws and God's commands and trying to use them to make money on God's people who are bound to, to uh, obey him. So, so check this out. We're Matthew 21, uh, verses 12 through 17. And the Bible says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, It's written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. But, and the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of God, they were indignant. They said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said, yeah, you have, have you never read it out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You've prepared praise and leaving them. He went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. So here you see Jesus is literally driving these money changers out of the temple. In another passage, we have uh, the record of where Jesus actually fashioned his own whip. He literally uh, fashioned his own whip and drove them out of the temple. I mean, think about that. Drove them out of the temple with a whip. Jesus always walked in love. He never sinned. But the Bible says that with a righteous and a holy anger, he drove them out of the temple. It was an unrighteous thing that they were doing. It was a wicked thing they were doing. And that kind of a wickedness, it actually angered Jesus to the point of action. And see, that's the thing where we're at right now. The enemy would love to actually desensitize, be a good word to use desensitize uh, every Christian in the body of Christ to the level of wickedness that's in the world yeah, and make us feel like, well, you know, that's just the world. That's just how life is. That's just how the world is. We just have to learn how to accept it instead of hating what's wicked. Let me, let me say that real quick. Hating what's wicked. Let, let me, let me bring you over uh, to the book of Hebrews real quick. And I want to show you something that's very, very important. This is spoken, by the way, about Jesus. This was a word about Jesus. Um, listen to this. The Bible says, uh, I'll start reading in verse number eight and verse number nine. Listen to this. But of the son, that's Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness and the scepter of your, is the scepter of your kingdom. Listen to verse nine. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, 
God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So notice what it says about Jesus. He loved righteousness and he hated wickedness. He loved righteousness. He hated wickedness. There has to be a hatred on the inside of you for what is wicked. You have to hate what the devil is doing. You've got to hate what his plan is for this generation. If you don't hate it, you'll never work to change it. Yeah. Oh, I hate him. I hate him so bad. <laughs> I laugh because like even over time as as older as I've gotten and just like the the just pure hate in my eyes that I have for him and then to see Christians live below their means because the word you just said um a minute ago when it, when it was uh not distaste what did you say I can't remember I can't remember either but it was so good because we allow uh, just a little bit. You you let it be okay here because the world says this is how you're supposed. Yes, desensitize. Because I I was thinking to myself that's so good. People have desensitized. They're not letting what may be used to when you first got saved. When everyone first gets saved, they're so like on fire right. that everything that comes near them that's wicked is burnt up. But then as life gets you. And sometimes when you get older, you become that, the desensitized. Well, it's okay. You know, I'm getting older, so maybe your fight doesn't feel as strong. But when you constantly are filling your spirit man with the word of God, it doesn't matter how old the outside part starts to get. You still feel that strength, like Caleb said. Yeah. You know, I'm still going to fight. I'm going to, it doesn't matter how old I am. You know, I've got that fight in me. And so we have to not get desensitized and listen to anything that the world, when you have that that, that line, that intense separation, that here's the world and here's the kingdom you're from, you won't allow what others allow into your life. And you will be offended at the correct things. That's another thing that's desensitized to us in this world, offense. You shouldn't be offended. Don't be offended. You know, there's no balance for it, but there is a balance for it. That's what we're here to tell you, is that you are to be offended at certain things. Not everything, because correction, as Ted has, has preached on before, is direction in your life. So there are things that you are to be corrected for and, and able to change so that your, the direction of your life can go a certain way. But you have to learn to be offended at the same things that offended Christ in the Bible. Right. You know, it's, it's, think of it this way, too. It's, you know... I'm not, it would be very hard for me to be offended at a person. Uh, when I look at, when I look at the way that that functions, the only true person or type of person that would cause me to be offended is truly defined by the Bible, a wicked person, somebody who is knowingly and actively working against the plans of God. You see what I mean? Like, it's one thing if somebody's an unbeliever. They don't have the truth. You know, they don't Yeah, people get mad know. at the wrong people. Yeah, I'm out not. Out there fighting not someone everybody. who's not even saved. It's but like, get them saved first. If it's a person who is a wicked person, we've covered this in the broadcast, Acts 13, Paul speaking to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who is a um, unbeliever, and then... Alemus, the sorcerer, who is a wicked man, who is actively trying to cause uh, the governor to not believe the gospel and not be saved. Well, there in the New Testament is a picture of all three types of people, a believer, an unbeliever, a wicked person. And so, you know, Paul didn't look at Alemus and say, well, you know, I got to walk in love towards him. He just doesn't know the the, the truth yet. In fact, let me turn there to show you exactly quickly what he said to, to uh, Alemus, who is the sorcerer. Listen to this. And the Bible says, um, he turns to him. I love the way he uh, phrases this. Let me get it up. He says it this way. Uh, Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, looked at intently at him, who? The sorcerer. 
and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? You see that? He didn't deal with him the same way he dealt with the governor. The governor is just an unbeliever. This man is a son of the devil, an enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit, full of villainy, and he was actively trying to make crooked the straight paths of the Lord. So he was judged. Paul took offense at what Elimus was doing to the point he paused his ministry and rebuked and cursed that wicked man. And he said, from this day forward, you'll be led around uh, as a blind man by the hand. And that moment, blindness came upon that sorcerer. Paul didn't treat him the same way he treated uh, Sergius Paulus, the governor. Didn't treat them the same. Why? Because the governor's just an unbeliever. This man is wicked. And, he, and, and, and literally, it provoked a different response from the apostle Paul. It provoked a different response from the apostle Paul. And that's what I'm saying. That's the point I'm making is that, uh, it's, it's not, it's not everybody. You don't just go out and get mad at everybody because they're not a Christian. No, there's many people that just need a savior. They need the gospel, but there are certain people in the world operating with an antichrist spirit and actively opposing the things of God, actively opposing the plan of God. And now we have to be uh, very discerning because what will happen is if you just get offended because an unbeliever did something, you'll live an offense yeah. because they'll always do something sinful. It's the difference between doing something sinful and trying to oppose what God's doing on the earth. There's a big difference between personal sin and opposition of God's plan. Big difference there. And so Jesus is very upset in this passage and again, in the other passage where he fashions a whip, because now he's in a place where he's looking at people that are opposing God's plan. God set up what sacrifices should be, and he set up how much it should cost. And here's people trying to make money off of God's people. It's a wicked thing that opposes the plan of God. What do you do if a, a sacrifice gets brought up to the place in price where poor people can no longer afford to buy it and offer their sacrifice? Problem. It's a wicked thing. And so... Jesus reacted differently and never stopped walking in love, but notice who he was walking in love toward, walking in love toward God, walking in love towards the people who were trying to serve God. See, a shepherd cares for the sheep and beats the wolves, cares for the sheep, beats the wolves. That's why there's a rod and a staff. David said in Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They're two different elements. The staff is for the sheep. The rod is for the wolves. And that's exactly how it is. We, we have to learn to be completely uh, offended, angry at, at unrighteousness that's trying to creep into the world where they set, they're telling us things are going to become normal. Yeah. That was one of the things from the beginning of this year or whenever, you know, mayhem had hit uh, the world was the new normal. Yeah. And I refuse to say that. I refuse to believe it. And I refuse to participate in it because they, the world does not dictate what's normal for me. No. I know what's normal based on the word of God. So to me, this is normal and this is, this, this is my normal. Right. So if, if anything is outside of my normal, then, then I don't want anything to do with it. So you can't be programmed by the people of this world, by the things of this world, by the circumstances that happen in this world to let that be your normal. Just like when you have, you know, you need to be healed. God says we have authority over that. We have to speak to that. So you feel like something's not normal in your life. You need to speak the word that draws it back into the place of normality in your life. That's right. The word is what's normal. Yes. Anything outside of the word is not normal. That, well, that, that's, how, that's how I teach my kids. Right. It's not normal for Christians to be, to be broke. It's not normal for Christians to live constantly sick. 
It's not normal for Christians to be full of fear. That's right. It's not normal for Christians to be depressed. That's not normal. That's that's contrary. That that's the opposite of how the Word of God tells us that we're supposed to live. Absolutely. So if the new normal has anything in it that is a contradiction to the Word of God, they can keep it. Yeah. I don't want it. Well, I mean, you look at the things that are they're, they're trying to do, things that are uh, being attempted right now. You know, to lower the age of consent into the level of childhood so that filthy old men can do their thing. The new normal is for equality. The new the normal thing, the thing is, is this, for everyone, how, you how, know. How far across the board are you going to try to level that? How many, how many sinful, wicked, and harmful yeah. things are you going to try to level into that new normal? You know what I'm saying? Hey, it's a new normal for you to become a woman. And, and the thing is, it's not new. It's not new. They've right. been trying to do this for decades. I mean, look up NAMBLA if you don't know Two. what NAMBLA is in America. The North American Man-Boy Love Association. But it's not new. Because not it, new. this wickedness has been here in the Bible. They tried it then. Yeah. They tried all that nastiness then. Yep. It's, and it's not a new normal. And it's something that should anger you as a believer. Yep, Ryan, we're going there in a minute. You're in the spirit. Um, so number one, unrighteousness. Number two, the second thing that should offend you is oppression. Yeah. Oppression should offend you. I know, Tyler. <laughs> horrible picture of Ted as a woman. I agree. Yeah. I agree. We actually did so that thing. But someone actually did that on Instagram. Oh, that's right. They made you a woman. Yeah, and this, it was horrible. The LGBTQ community in New York got ticked off at me, so they made a... After he preached. Yeah, I didn't actually preach anything against them, but they were just mad at me because... No, but you did preach against no. wickedness and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. that's not what happened. But anyway... No, but they feel that. They, they got mad at me because I carry the Spirit of Christ. It is what it anyway, is. Anyway... Um, Either way. They made a, a fake Instagram account for me. A spam account. And they made you a woman. And, and they put me in drag. Really and I was ugly. very, I don't look good as a woman. Just going to mm -hmm. be honest with you. No. Um, <laughs> I even did that thing with the kids where like the Snapchat like uh, changes your faces and the stuff where like I became Maddie and Maddie became me in the thing. They switch your faces. I look horrible. I would never, ever look good with long hair or makeup. Can I just say that? No man that tries to switch to a woman. That's a good point. Will ever look good. Because <laughs> you were born a man. Yeah. Okay? You can't switch it. It doesn't matter how much money you have and how much plastic surgery, you are still. I will keep this G rated because I was going <laughs> to say Please something keep else. It G -rated. I'm going to say ugly. And anyone else. The baby else. filter was funny. But as a woman, I've no. Absolutely not. So, yeah. It actually freaks me out. It doesn't matter. I don't care who's tried what. You've got these celebrities <laughs> that tried have. what? <laughs> you don't look good. You don't look good. You don't look good. Revert. Revert. Somebody needs to hit <laughs> Control Z. Apple Z. That's an undo if you don't know. Um, I don't know. First Samuel chapter 17. Oppression should offend you. Oppression should offend you, and, and as Ryan was saying, he was in the uh, he was in the spirit. David goes out; he's not even one of the soldiers in the the army, but is there just doing a task for his father. Walks out on the battlefield and hears uh, the words of Goliath, who's mocking God, who's literally mocking God, and he gets ticked off, gets angry, and turns around. He can't believe it. Is nobody else hearing this? Is no, How is nobody else taking action against this uncircumcised Philistine? This uncircumcised, this, guy, this man who's got no covenant with God. You know, I don't know if you understand, he's pointing that out. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. He's got no covenant with God. How are you listening to this bum talk like this and nobody's taking action? Why are all the soldiers hiding behind the foothills? Why is nobody out there taking this giant's head off? And the Philistines were trying to oppress Israel, trying to take them out and understand something. David 
wasn't even a, a, a soldier. He was a shepherd, but he had the heart of God. So what did he do? Got angry. Righteous indignation. Got so angry at this uncircumcised Philistine, he runs out onto the battlefield himself. No armor, no sword, no shield, no spear. All he had was a sling and five stones. That's it. That's it. To fight a battle-hardened giant, a seasoned soldier. That's what he did. What caused him to take that kind of a step of faith? The thing that caused him to take that step of faith is because he had the heart of God. And when you have the heart of God, you hate what opposes God. You hate what opposes God. There's nothing wrong with hating wickedness. That's what the Bible says Jesus did. He loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And for that, God rewarded him. God anointed him with the oil of joy or oil of gladness above his brethren or his, or his fellows, one translation says. So understand that that's the case, is that we know that if you are a child of God who carries the spirit of God, any type of oppression, any type of oppression that comes against the people of God should literally anger you and offend you. Yeah. And I know we always say like he, he didn't have any sword, he didn't have anything, he had a slingshot and rocks, but he also had his mouth because the spirit inside of him was bubbling up That's right. so much because of that heart of God that it like rolled out of his mouth probably before he even thought about it because that's how faith does. It gets so bubbling inside of you that you say something and the rest of it has to catch up. That's right. So he said it and he's talking to this giant, like, you know, I'm gonna cut your head off. But like you said, he didn't have a sword. Right. Where was he gonna get the sword? You know, he's like saying things that didn't even make sense in that moment. And so his spirit man, we have to allow our spirit man, that, 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 like bubbling up that urge that you feel. Sometimes you just have to say it and then let the rest of you catch up with it because your flesh is constantly pushing down what your spirit man wants to say, what it wants you to do, where it wants to lead you. And so even though he just had the rocks and the sling, he was so violently mad at what was trying to oppose at that time that he spoke by faith something and it came to pass as soon as it was backed up by the word. That's right. I, I thought this is so interesting because if you study that passage in 1 Samuel uh, 17 with David, notice, he, I love the fact that he didn't just say that I'll cut your head off. He wasn't done with just Goliath. Listen to his <laughs> confession. Listen to what he said. Uh, David, verse 45, 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And now he's, he's not done talking. He's going further. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you, speaking to all of you, into our hands. He said, I'm just going to kill you. I'm going to kill you and then deliver the bodies, the dead bodies <laughs> of the host of the Philistines, all of your army. We're going to kill everybody. Not just going to kill you, killing everybody. Which he did. Which they did. And it said in the Bible... Tens, thousands, and thousands, and thousands. I mean, he was a fighter. He said, he, Saul, and they started singing it. Saul has killed his thousands. David, his tens of thousands. And that's exactly We can attribute the word slay to David. <laughs> slay. From way back in the, Somebody from needs way to back it. in the Bible. Somebody we can thank David for the word slay. He was a slayer. Because he was the ultimate slayer. Anything that oppresses you in your life, should offend you. Anything that oppresses you. Anything. Anything that li literally lays its hand of oppression on your life as a believer should offend you. Why? Number three is going to help you understand this. The third thing that should uh, offend you is anything 
that contradicts your covenant? That's number three. Put it in the comments. Anything that contradicts your covenant. Kelly said, is, uh, is there are a, a, a split moment when you have to discern between a fleshly right. outrage and a spirit rising up with a response? That's a great question. Um, Daniel said, slay all day. That's a great question, Kelly, because yes, you do have to be discerning as to what is carnal, what is based on your flesh, and what is spiritual. And that's why I said, for the most part, you're not going to find yourself being offended at people. You're not called to be offended at people, but at principles. Understand that, principles. What, what offends my faith? What offends my wife's faith? If sickness tries to touch our bodies, that offends my faith. Literally anything that contradicts my covenant. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 not that it ever has, but if depression ever tries to touch my mind, if anxiety ever tried to come into my spirit, that offends my faith because God's not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You have to make sure even the smallest thing offends your faith. Talk about that. Because we sometimes tend to wait till things are so big. I don't know if we look at it as if like Jesus only cares. I can cares. deal with this, but yeah, I'm not gonna... I, I can I can hang on to this. I can do I can deal with it myself. Um, they I'll wait till it's a crisis. Yeah, I'll wait till something's bigger. Maybe it's turned into cancer now, or maybe it's turned into um, you know. It's, you, your eyesight's feeling dim, and, and, but you're going to wait till, you know, later on, then now it's milky and I've got cataracts. I don't even know if cataracts are the milky one. There's that glaucoma. I don't know. But, you know, when something, when something starts at the small point, that's when your faith, your, I mean, your offense to it should rise up. That's when your faith should take action. I've, I've been saying this for a while, that even a cold offends my faith. When my kids have a stomachache, I don't just brush it off or if we got the sniffles, immediately I'm taking authority over their body, even with a cold. I'm not running down and saying, well, Robitussin, uh, Tylenol and this and that, and I'm not condemning you if that's something that you do, but I've worked it out where now I am not gonna put up with something so small. I have control of this. I have the authority over this, says the word of God. So therefore, I'm going to take my rightful place and I'm offended. Mm -hmm. It's not normal. See, that's what we have to say. It's flu season. It's normal to have a stuffy and runny nose. Okay. So in, but I operate in the way of, I don't care what season it is. Every season I'm to walk in healing. Right. Every season I'm to be prosperous. So no, it offends my faith that my child or I has start to have a stuffy nose and it's runny, okay? You have to start with the small thing. That's why throughout the whole Bible, it's very, uh, it's taught to you about not letting uh, a seed that's planted, a bad one, a root to grow because it's always harder later to take care of something if something grabs hold of something and you've got to deal with the bigger picture. Start where it's small. Start where it's against the word of God at a small stage and it takes it a lot easier to take care of it when it's small than when something grows an ugly head. Yeah. You know, people start saying stuff like it's flu season. Mm -hmm. well, it's always healing season. Except right now, we don't know where the flu season went. Yeah. It's the always. The flu disappeared. Daniel said the same spirit that causes cancer causes a cold. Well, has to be attacked with the same vigor. I agree. Totally agree. Absolutely. It's always healing season. It's seen the same way. Jesus is not in heaven categorizing sicknesses. He doesn't have a column for what's less. Well, we got the sniffles, the cold, the stomach ache, the headache. Well, this, the migraine's a little bit worse than a headache, so it's going to go in this column. And then we have, you know, he doesn't put columns for anything like that. It's all seen the same in his eyes. So therefore it's taken care of the same way in his eyes. Yeah. It's got to be destroyed. It's got to be destroyed. It doesn't matter what level you think it is. Start where it's small. Cause right. when we let things grow, it, it gets harder. And then everyone, you know, is in crisis mode and in every prayer line and everything else, it just needed to be taken care of when it, sticks its ugly head up. Right. It's like that game that you have to hit that Whack gopher that comes up. Yeah. <laughs> put, like, put it in the comments. It's always healing season. It's always healing season. It's always healing season. Uh, Jessica made a great point up above when she said that with uh, 
Christ being beaten until he was unrecognizable, that it seems almost abusive if we don't walk in what he died for us to have. I agree. It's a slap in the face. You took that upon yourself. You did that for me, but I don't want to have it. I yeah. don't want to walk in it. I don't want to receive it. And, you know, I understand there's people that that's the story of their life because they've never been taught. But if you've been taught, if you have the truth, we're required. To whom much is given, much is required. God is looking uh, to see how you'll respond to the word that he's given you. Will you respond in faith? Will you take it? Because it's always healing season. For you, it's always joy season. It's always peace season. It's always provision season. It's always a season of blessing for the people of God. Um, I'll have you read uh, Psalm 1 uh, once again, because this is something that every believer needs to keep in your spirit. So even though it's an Old Testament passage, it doesn't change because Christ shed his blood. It's always healing season. It's always provision season, always joy season, always peace season, always. And so I want her to read verses one through three of Psalm one. Listen to this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Look at that. Bearing fruit each season. I know. Caitlin said, I get offended when people quote a verse that stands for what the Lord can do, but then follows with, with a but. Stop being double-minded. Well, I know the Bible says by his stripes we were healed, but you know. That's because people take situations and, and place they them above the word. form their, their doctrine around it rather than just like, you know, taking it with their big girl, big boy pants on <laughs> and realizing, let me adjust my thought process. Let me adjust my life and line it up with the word of God. I taught on that a while ago. People get so confused. They're like, wait, I spoke it, but the word says it won't return void, but I haven't seen it yet. Well, it's like, cause you didn't speak the word. If you're not speaking the word and it doesn't line up with the things of God, <laughs> you're, you're not going to like what comes back to you. It will not come back to you or it's going to come back ugly. You have to line it up with the word of God to receive the word of God and to see what he has for you. Yeah, you, can't, you can't just say whatever you want. No. You're going to get whatever you want. And I don't want whatever. Yeah. I don't want anything. <laughs> I, want I want specific, specific blessings. <laughs> right. There's, it's like, you know, if, if you were headed somewhere in your car, you wouldn't just say, well, I'm just going to start driving and see if I end up there. No, you put it, if you don't know how to get there, you put the destination in on your GPS. It tells you how to get there. And then you get there. People are so, they don't think this way. People are so specific in everything. You don't, you go to a restaurant that you like because there's a specific meal you're hungry for. You don't just go there and say, well, I'll take whatever. And then something comes out to you and you don't even eat that type of meat or you don't even like that type of sauce or you don't even, you know, you don't want carbs, but you, you know, the, now they served you a big bowl of pasta. No, you're specific when you go out, right. when you get ice cream. There are people only like certain flavors. You don't say, give me whatever I like and like you hate chocolate, but now they're giving you a chocolate ice cream cone. We're so easy to be specific of the just natural things in our life rather than being specific with what God has for you and what you want and what you're going to take. Absolutely. Faith is specific because faith knows what it wants. Put it in the comments section. In a moment, we're going to pray for you. Faith is specific because faith knows what it wants. I'm say it again. Faith is specific because faith knows what it wants. How do I know that? Because faith comes by hearing. That's why I've taught for, for a long time that faith is compartmentalized. It's not all just one lump faith. There's faith for healing. There's faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's faith for provision. There's faith for salvation. There's faith for deliverance. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so catch this. Faith is specific because faith knows what it wants. It's very possible to have faith for healing and have no faith for finances. 
Why? You've never heard the word on finances. You've heard the word on healing. You see what I mean? So faith is specific because faith knows what it wants. So faith is based upon God's word. Faith is based upon God's word. And so faith is specific. Christine Oliveria says, hello, Carolyn. Hello, Christine. <laughs> We're going to take the end of this broadcast to pray for you. And here's what I'm believing God. And you heard what I, what I taught yesterday, what I preached yesterday. Uh, and then if you joined me last night, you, you know exactly where I believe we're headed. This upcoming year is going to be a year of divine momentum. We're going to run like we never have. We're going to literally see the hand of God come upon our lives, families, businesses, ministries. And we're going to have supernatural acceleration. I believe it. I'm just telling you, get ready to run in 2021. Get ready to run. We're going to see a supernatural strength. Doors are opening. It's going to be supernatural. But one of the things, if you missed last night, I did a broadcast with my, my friend, Pastor Sam Fitch out in Crawfordsville, Indiana. But one of the things that I said, and I was using the story of Elijah coming down off Mount Carmel, who was getting ready to run and he outran uh, King Ahab's horses and chariot all the way to the entrance of the city, 13 miles, some say, some say 30. But the Bible says he gathered up his garments and then the hand of the Lord came on and began to run. The question is this, what can you be doing currently to gather up your garments? What can you do right now to gather up your garments and get ready to run? Because the time's coming to run. Will you be prepared for the momentum God has planned for his people? Not everybody's going to run in it, but the faithful will run in this kind of a momentum. And I'm going to be one of them in Jesus' name. Absolutely. And so I want you to get ready, but I'm going to pray for you today and ask the Lord to put a hand of blessing upon you that would give you, see, here's the thing. If we don't have this kind of fire, if we don't have this kind of fervor on the inside of us, these things won't offend us. They will not even phase us. We'll just glide through life on cruise control and it's almost like you, you have blinders on to whatever the enemy's doing. So, well, you know, that's just how life goes. The world's getting wicked. Yeah, but you're still here. <laughs> Do something with your faith. Do something with your faith that will impact your generation yeah. and bring righteousness to your neighborhood, your city, your school, your job, whatever it might be, your family. Bring the righteousness by the power of God. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name. I pray for every person that's watching and listening. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that that same fervor that was in David's heart, a man after your own heart, that same fire, that same fervor that was in him would come upon us. Lord, the same thing that was in Jesus, we thank you, that'll be on us. The same thing that was in the apostles will be upon us. That same hunger that the early church had that caused them to be willing to be martyred for the name of Jesus Christ. Let that same fire be in us. We'll never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. And so Lord, I'm asking you now in Jesus name to set us ablaze once again in these final two months of 2020, our year of violent increase and expedited yeah. favor. Let the blessings abound. Let the favor abound. But Lord, I'm asking you now to prepare us, put your mighty hand of blessing upon us to run in this new year in the wonderful name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you praise and glory in Jesus name. Amen. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comments section. Let us know you're standing with us. And if you are, ask yourself today, ask the Holy Spirit. How can I gather up my garments to get ready to run? What can I do to prepare myself for divine momentum? Hey, Lindsay, and we want to encourage you to stand with us in partnership. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've never sown a seed into this ministry. We've got new people watching all the time. There's getting ready to be a whole lot more new people coming on as we get ready to go on television. But maybe you've never asked yourself before, how can I stand with Ted and Carolyn? as they get ready to touch the nations of the world. I'm leaving today. I'm flying out to go preach in Johnson City. Is that the name? Johnson City. 
Yes. Johnson City, Tennessee. A the new tri state area. Yeah. I've been Pastor to other Todd places in uh, Tennessee, but I've never, never there. I've never been to Johnson City. But it's coming up. Starts tomorrow night through Friday. And uh, I, they've uh, invited me, Pastor Todd and Katie Holmes have invited me to come and to be a part of the stand. Uh, same exact thing Dr. Rodney Howard Brown is doing in Tampa. They're doing now in Johnson City, uh, Tennessee, outdoors, preaching the gospel. And uh, starts. I'll start speaking tomorrow night through Friday night. We're very excited. We're looking forward to what God's going to do. But would you take a stand for the gospel today? Would you take a stand and say, God, what can I do financially to push the gospel forward? Maybe the Lord's speaking to you to partner with us. We're asking God to attach to this ministry a thousand people that would sow $85 a month or more and believe God for increase and to see this gospel preached around the world before it's too late because Jesus is coming very soon. For every person that's sowing $85 or more this month, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send you this book by my friend, Pastor Joel Stockstill, entitled The Power of Daily Bible Reading. Uh, Pastor Joel is a mighty man of God. He wrote this book. He has a love for the word uh, like almost no one I've ever seen before. And this is a wonderful book to get you on track and explain to you why it's so important to get the word of God into your spirit, man, every single day. And so this is our gift for you. For every person that's sowing $85 or more this month, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Fill out the form. Let us know you gave and uh, let us have your address so that we can mail this book to you. It will be a massive blessing to you uh, and, and it it'll open your eyes. We actually, uh, my friend Pastor Joel and I are preparing for you guys in the new year a Bible reading plan that will uh, take us through the entire Bible in 90 days, three months. And uh, we want you to be a part of that. As soon as we're getting into more and more close uh, or getting closer to the new year, we'll put that out, have a sign up form. You can join us and register to be a part of that. It's going to be awesome. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Congratulations, Jennifer. She's pregnant, five months. She had a few miscarriages, but you're going to have the best delivery. Let me know about it. Be praying for you. That's awesome. Congratulations. Pray for a lot of women who want to get pregnant. Just prayed for two at a meeting I just did. They got the confessions that uh, Jenna had typed out. If you've ever heard her testimony, which was in the magazine last season. And there's a podcast that we did together on it because it is your portion to be pregnant and have the desires of your heart and to be a mama. So congratulations, Jennifer. Ashley, he'll be live Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night at the stand. So tune in. She said, Absolutely. She said, I don't know what to watch anymore. I watched yeah. all the services and That's crossroads awesome. that uh, my nights are boring. Well, they won't be the next three nights. <laughs> and thank you for sowing a seed. Bethany's testimony. Wow. Two days after we partnered with Miracle Word, a $2,600 ER bill for three stitches Jeez. was completely written Praise off. God. Praise Bethany. God. Bethany. That's awesome. That's an amazing testimony. And that's what happens. As you sow, God multiplies what you sow and brings it back to you in the form of a harvest. That's awesome, Jennifer. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yep, so she listened to it. Amen. She said, you're, for those of you that are listening on the podcast or those of you that are watching on YouTube, you can't see her comments. Uh, praise the Lord. I listened to your podcast with Jenna this past summer. It gave me the fire that I needed as she was believing uh, to get pregnant. So praise the Lord. I think the there's Lord. been three babies that I was believing for with women that caught on to the podcast and got the confessions that gave birth this year. Praise God. That's so, huge. It is huge. Miracle babies. Miracle babies. Amen. Stick with the word. Stick with the word. I think just to put it in the devil's eye, we'll have another one here. Come up here. <laughs> that's awesome. Bethany, that's a great testimony. We love your family. I saw, I almost said it over the microphone, but I didn't want people to be offended. I was like, see some hookers in the crowd. And uh, at the end, her little boys came up. She said, a couple of little hookers wanted to bless you. <laughs> and they both gave me an offering. That's so awesome. <laughs> well, we love you guys. If you didn't get a chance to get out and vote, get out and vote. Carolyn's got her voting hat. Oh, I voted. Oh, I'm I ready. voted too. I voted early. I'm having an election party. You know, I voted early, but just by myself and with the kids, but because you're leaving me. But I voted we'll early, but you know, I, I I had to write it in because Kanye's name was not on my ballot. I voted for you. <laughs> so I just I kidding. had to write it in, Kanye West. Listen. Apparently, he didn't get on in every state. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you who to vote for. 
kidding. I went on a rant this morning because I'm so sick. Of, I just read another person write something about that saying, they, they list all the principles and you know what they stand for. And then someone writes, um, I take it you're voting for Trump or something like that. And then they come back with, well, I don't, I don't want to say because it's really controversial right now, but I'm just really against. And then they list all the things that would be. It's like, just say you voted for Trump. I know it. Give me a break. That's so nonsense. It's and you got president. like leaders saying like, you I know, I just want to get president. this information out to you. I'm not going to let you know who to vote for. It's like. So people are writing. I wrote Ted and Ben said, Lena said Ted for president. I would ne I would hate that. I would never want to be the president of the United States in a million years. In a million years. Uh, scroll up real quick. Who was that? That was a great testimony. He said Carolyn, the first lady. I would be a bad one. The Lord Jesus canceled $8,000 debt this year. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. He's a provider and he's a debt canceler. Carolyn is the first lady. She's sharp enough to be the first lady. You're my first lady. You're just speaking out of here. We love you guys. Last important has been restrained. First step in ending his dictatorship. Look at that. Hey. Lost in court. Sorry, Charlies. The church hasn't wow, left yet. Lord canceled $11,000 of debt mysteriously Man, this year. Look at everybody. Debt, year of debt cancellation. You don't want a middle child. We already have a middle child. We have three children. Yes. We have Maddie, Brooklyn, and Teddy the third. There would be two middle ch children. We would make Teddy a middle child. Praise God, Winona, debt free. So we're believing God for every partner, every person that's standing with us. Nothing hanging over your head. Supernatural provision. Thanks for hanging with us, guys. I think we should end this broadcast today with a little bit more of that Antichrist song. It stirred my spirit so much. <laughs> Have a great election day. Looking forward to the results. We love you. Be blessed. Bye. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.